0: Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. This is episode three. I am your host, J.M. Prater, and these are my co-hosts. Ryan, how's it going, guys? And Patrick, what up? And today we are here to discuss um, the new short film released by Warner Brothers. Uh, I believe it is called... What is it called, guys? I can't remember the title. It's called 2036,
1: 2036. Nexus award. Awakens, I believe, or Nexus
0: Awakening? <laughs> no. Nexus, Nexus Dawn, <laughs> you idiot. Nexus Dawn! <laughs> Directed by J.J. Abrams. I'm in a different
1: time zone. It's very late here, okay?
0: D- Nexus Nexus Awakens by J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, <wait. laughs> Yeah, this, this is the last Nexus. This, this replicant's name is Joy Smatty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 and they're gonna go and head to the Jorrell Corporation. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, J.J. Abrams, you're oh, just that, that kind of guy. Oh, oh, yeah. So today, guys, we're just talking about uh, the short film and uh, our impressions uh, about what we saw and how we feel about what we saw, and then kind of talk about the meat of it, like the what Neander Wallace is discussing and its implications. Just, there's a lot of heady things there. There's there's a lot to unpack there and it's why I love science fiction. Um, So Patrick, do you want to start with your impressions of the film?
2: Thank you for your patience. I did not intend to keep you waiting.
1: My overriding impression of it is that I'm really excited because I think it feels urgent. It makes me want to know a lot more about Neander, especially. Um, It makes me curious about what this whole prohibition business is all about. Um, And it opens up a lot of questions that I think 2049 will hopefully fill out for us. And it also opens up some space in this whole emergent narrative for the subsequent two films that are coming up um, to be um, filling things in as well. So I think it's a a really intriguing little bit of character stuff for Neander and a really um, interesting jumping off point for more story arcs
2: I believe in life in fact
0: I have wrung more life from our earth than ever before what did you what's your impression of the the film itself did it feel like Blade Runner to you did it what did it feel like
1: so to, no, it, it didn't. Um, and I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I'll, I'll tell you why. For one, this is this is
0: uh, a
1: different director, you know, um, and, and so this is not necessarily uh, emblematic of the way that the actual film's going to feel. So I'm not like worried about it. Um, but also this is taking place. It's an interior shot. Um, you know, it's, it's a single set due to the constraints, probably of budget and time. You know, the fact that this is just a little insert short film. So it's like, you know, it's it's a, it's a small con- constrained, constrained set with, using practical lighting, right? You can see the light sources that they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all very small. It feels like it's like, you know, like two cameras set up or something. Um, and uh, I'm okay with it. If, if this were, it, it obviously, like, it lacks the chiaroscuro. It lacks the, the particulate matter in the air. Um, you know, it doesn't feel dirty. It doesn't feel gritty. Um, you get a sense that there's stuff going on outside because you see like the spinner lights in the window or, or whatever that is but um, but for for what it is it's a very contained small piece that yeah it's brightly lit it doesn't necessarily feel aesthetically blade runner like but I think from the trailers that we've seen um, it's it's obvious that that Dennyville news film is going to, to um, mirror that more directly and this is just a new angle of it this is just mm-hmm. its own little thing to me
3: mm-hmm. I think. I like the dialogue. I enjoyed Neander. Um, you know, I enjoyed Jared Leto's um, performance. I think he's going to be one of my favorite characters in the film. Um, I really like Leto as an actor too. I think he, I think he does a great job in just about anything I've seen him in. Um, and uh, and he gets uh, he gets a bad rap from a lot of people for for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because he's got the popular music career going to or what but uh, I know he got derided a lot for Suicide Squad I don't think he did a bad job in that I just think there was a a lot of stuff outside of his control that um, made for kind of a disjointed um, disjointed film and feel for that one but uh, I think he's going to do a great job in this role there's a lot of mystery about him Um, you know with this You know he talks about his ailment um and so it's not just uh, to me it just doesn't it's not just blindness that he's there's something else going on with him Mm -hmm. um that might uh, play a larger role in the actual film um and the the part where he orders the basically orders the replicant to kill itself um it uh it reminded me a lot of the, the video game Bioshock. I I don't think uh Yes. Yeah, Patrick's definitely played that. Um that's one of the best games I've ever played. And there's a very there's yes. a scene in that game that's very kind of reminiscent of Would You Kindly. Yeah, right, exactly. Change, yeah. Would you kindly, yeah. Um and uh I just thought that was really uh well executed. Um on the downside, and um, you know, I just didn't get uh Um, you know, I just, I just felt like the, the pacing was a little disjointed. Um, the editing wasn't well done. I felt like the other actors, um, didn't do as good of a job as I guess they could have. Um, I think Patrick touched on some of the reasons why that's already touched on why that's, uh, might be the case, you know, in terms of it's probably quickly done. Um, you know, they use, like I said, natural lighting, so it didn't feel quite like Blade Runner um, in terms of the visuals. So that kind of that was kind of jarring for me. It couldn't. I mean, um, it really took me uh, out of it a little bit, or it took me out of it <clears throat> at the beginning because um, it just didn't look anything like uh, Blade Runner. It didn't really look like anything from the trailers uh, for the actual film either. Um, it was just obvious this wasn't done by Denny Villeneuve, um, apparently it was Luke Scott, who's really Scott's son. Um, you know, and I, I guess just you know, he, you know, wanted to get an opportunity to be involved. And, um, I think in the pre, uh, or right before the, the this video started, Denny Villeneuve gave a short little introduction. He said, you know, this, uh, a piece from, you know, a good friend of mine. So I guess they kind of know each other and, um, you know, it's just an opportunity that gives someone else a shot to kind of be involved in the Blade Runner universe, which is fine. I just felt like, um, it just didn't fit quite well with, the um, at least the look and feel of Blade Runner. Um, Wait,
1: here's, here's the thing because cause you're right. Like there's something inherently problematic about that, I think. And, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like it's it's like, either we would have gotten like a facsimile of the Denis Villeneuve stuff and so it would have been like why not just have him direct these shorts or yeah. or in in doing something that feels different you are setting people up to be like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute because we haven't seen the film yet yeah. so like this is the first extended narrative thing that we've seen from it and it looks and feels very different so i could see people getting spooked by it and being like um you mm-hmm. know like oh this is not this is not yeah. quite right you know yeah
3: but yeah, but I really appreciate your your view on it, Patrick, and that it's uh, you know just something gives us a little something different, gets us back into into the universe, um, and uh, you know, I mean, I I wasn't uh, it doesn't give me any didn't change my excitement for the f- upcoming film at all. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, if anything, I'm even more interested in. Neander Wallace's character and you know what's really going on with with him um and he's got yeah, like
1: why why does he talk like that like like what is he moves like so fraily
3: you know like so slowly and deliberately and like, he, he yeah, uh, there's
1: he's, so much there, going on
3: yeah and he like carefully enunciates every word you know or it seems yeah. like you know he's got this way of talking that's it seems um it just seems there's something off you know and uh right and i don't know if he'll end up being a replicant or some something like that i i don't know what's the the actual what's really going to happen um but uh i'm really interested to see what uh how this is um how he's going to play play out in the narrative
2: humanity has only survived this long by crushing the earth to suit its needs the stars Our only hope are hidden beyond the lives you will
0: not allow me
2: to create.
0: I feel like uh, the character of Neander Wallace is already iconic. Um, He's already uh, mysterious and um, just wrapped in so much mystery. His look, his eyes, I'm already drawn into him. He feels like part of the Blade Runner family. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do really enjoy Jared Leto's work. There's a couple things he's done that I don't. You know, I think he played a transvestite or a trans a trans woman in um, that movie, The Dallas, Buyers, Dallas Club. Buyers Club. And I didn't buy his performance at all. I felt like it was, oh, wow. I didn't like it. Um, hmm. That being said, uh, I love everything I've seen from him from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh, this this short film has me transfixed. I've seen it five times now, uh, maybe more. I'll probably watch it again when we're done. Um, mm-hmm. And. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm just drawn into it. I, You're hooked. I, I am. I'm hooked into it. And But I'll tell you, there's, when the camera is on the chair and Neander and uh, his replicant servant or whatever that thing is. Um, the angel, I believe. The angel, yes. Uh, I feel like I'm watching Blade Runner. When the mm. camera cuts back to all of the people at the desk, I feel like I'm in a really good uh, sci-fi episode of television. Um yeah. Um, I
1: can totally I totally agree with that actually. And yeah. I, and
0: I think that those actors are overacting. Um I think that like the black oh, it's people... stylized a little bit. Uh well, here and here's the thing too, it is jarring that we're back into this world that we're very familiar with as hardcore fans. We know what Blade Runner feels like, we know what it looks like, and if there's any deviation from that, it it's going to be difficult for us. So I think in some ways with with what you said Patrick, I think that uh maybe this is kind of that entry where tr- For them to us, they're trying to get us used to. Yes, this this is a world that that seems familiar, but it's also going to be different. But at the same time, too, again, I just think the actors were overacting a little bit, Uh, and I think the lighting, the lighting was, like I think about um, Blade Runner in that scene where um, Deckard is sitting with Bryant and they're watching the projector, Um, Mm -hmm. and it's a very simple set, um, but it's all about the lighting. It's all about the mood. And um, in this short film, these. Of these four people sitting at this desk, they're just kind of lit generally and it's boring. Um mm-hmm. and uh the black guy with the you know, with the token dreads, uh I just I just felt like and I they, they don't seem like the caliber of actor, and a Benedict Wong has been in quite a bit. He was also in Prometheus, Or uh just so you guys I'm sure you guys know. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I just feel like it's there's also a difference between the caliber of actor being Girard Leto and then these kind of supporting characters who are kind of unknowns Uh, we know who benedict wong is because of we're hardcore fans most people don't most people couldn't identify him so these there's these kind of bit actors who don't have the 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 caliber of acting that jared leto can portray and uh jared leto's performance as neander again in this piece it's just it's haunting and transfixing i can't get enough of them i can't stop looking at them i can't stop and and, and, i I think
1: that's the point of this piece right is the the point of this piece is just to wet our appetites and to get us excited about what this character is going to bring to the table because these bureaucrats in this room are not going to be the center of the film yeah it seems like neander and it seems very clearly from this short neander will be a central element to this thing yeah yeah right yeah i mean he's so charismatic yeah Mm-hmm. So and I, there's, I have so many questions about him and i, I love that, like the the parallelism between the the you know the eyes and the replicants how they um you see the retinas kind of glowing yeah. through yeah and his, which are occluded um you know and obviously it, it makes you think of tyrol with his you know with his eyesight issues and you know there's there's a lot going on there and like yeah i have so many questions about him
0: mm-hmm. yeah um the i i, I like what they're talking about too and someone said on a on a forum today or somewhere in a group about, well, it looks clear that Neander Wallace is um, the villain. And I don't get that sense at all. In fact, I think he's trying to bring back, like if you, if you watch this piece and the, his, his replicate, his angel is, told to kill himself and he does and you see neander's when the guy when the replicant finally dies and hunches over much like roy batty hunches over at the end of blade runner when he dies Mm -hmm. um you can see neander's expression and he's very sad about what's just happened that his creation has died um but he was he's making a point and i think neander is saying hey no can't these can't these people exist with us um can't can't there be a way that we can you know let's make them more subservient let's make them more docile essentially um mm-hmm. and it's a very interesting conversation because essentially they're talking about people um that aren't quite us um but they're certainly people um and, and neander's trying to kind of make a way that it's okay for them to kind of come back um mm-hmm. and and exi- and coexist with their their human creators and it's a very yeah. interesting and heady discussion to have um and well but but he's also talking
1: pretty explicitly about them being slave labor and you know a, a subservient species that they're going to build a new society on the backs of you know i mean it, I, I don't think he's doing this out of some some you know benevolent search for equality or anything you know
0: well i think maybe i feel i get the sense that he his inroad is hey yeah let's bring these back. But hey, no, they're way more docile and they'll listen to everything you, you tell them to do and they'll only live as long as you want them to live. And mm-hmm. But I think that's what he's telling them, his, his intent, his kind of shadow intent might be something completely different. Yeah. Um, and, it, mm. and it might yeah. hint to him, I don't know what's going on with Neander and there's, there's a lot of questions. Is he replicant? Is he human? There's also a scene in a trailer where you see a, a blue... Um, The dot on his neck, which is the same dot that you can see on David or Walter in Covenant, by the way. What? Yeah. Yeah. What?
1: What is up with that shit? Yeah. Mine. No. When when the angel, (laughs) when the when the angel shuts down, he does the same exact posture. You're right, as Roy does, and And
0: as Walter does. Yes. Um, Yeah. Uh, So I'm just saying. I'm just just saying. (laughs) Um, But I, I think the idea of talking about this slave labor and slaves, it's almost like slavery is outlawed, but it's not even so much slavery. It's like, no, these things, these people are outlawed. Um, they, they cannot exist here so mm-hmm. and i uh, and i know we'll just get into the discussion of the timeline later but i know a lot of, of the nexus nines or nexus six and sevens they're in hiding or they've been destroyed um because mm-hmm. it's not safe for them and so that that the dialogue that kind of subtext of um the world not welcoming you for who you are is still going where neander's trying to find a place for them uh, yeah. and that's that's my initial reading of it Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, I could be completely wrong. Absolutely, I don't know. I
3: think. I, I mean, that makes sense to me. I think there's something else going on. I mean, he's saying, yeah, you know, they'll they'll live as long or as short as you want. Blah 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 blah. But I think he's really got something else going on. And he's, you know, based on the the full trailer, um, you know, he was wanting to build uh, basically seems like he's trying to build an army of replicants um you know and um for what purpose I you know there's some more obviously more going on in the film than we know about but uh right. but yeah, I think he's uh there's just a what I love is just there's a ton of mystery and I think uh I think Denny Villeneuve has a lot of say as to what goes into the trailers for his films and what goes into these short films. Um, because I think he's someone who, he's a filmmaker that really gets it. He gets what's, um, what's going to, you know, not giving much away in these things. Um, Mm -hmm. while also adding so many questions and so much interest for people, um, to make it, you know, to draw more people in, um, you know and not like manipulative but because it's genuinely going to be uh um a lot of uh just great stuff in this narrative to to really stand um both philosophically and um in in other ways too so
2: my replicants will live as long or as short as a customer will pay my replicants will never rebel they will never run they will simply obey, you yeah, know, I was
1: just thinking in the tree you mentioned the trailer there's a moment where uh I believe its Neander says that um something about he holds the key, and mm-hmm. then it shows officer k's hand wiping something off of like a tree stump or something mm-hmm. and um yeah, what is going on with this yeah like mm-hmm. what? what what the key to what you know like yeah. what what is, what is this all about yeah there's so many questions and and what's what's great about the marketing for this so far is that there there's there's quite a lot of it you know we have mm-hmm. the Path 2049 we have these short films we have um, you know like three trailers at this point yeah uh, we have you know the they've been at most of the major uh, comic-con you know things mm-hmm. and festivals and a lot of time with Danny Bill Noob getting interviewed yeah a lot of exclusives. Um, and yet nobody knows anything. You know, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're all still—we're just sitting here like idiots. You know, speculating about everything, not having any yeah. idea
3: if it even actually matches up. Yeah, and I, I
1: think that—that that is
3: great. I, like I love it. it. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like with trailers for Prisoner, Sicario, Arrival. Like, I went into every one of those movies. Uh, I Maybe mean, not everyone. Maybe I thought for. A couple of them, I kind of knew it was going to happen, but I was blown away by all three of them. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and yeah. it's like, what did I just watch? Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, like tra- jaw dropping, uh, dropping. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I, um, you know, I, I really expect there's going to be just a lot of just mind minds blown. <laughs> this film. Yeah, and
1: you, and you know what? Like, As of today you know, we now know that it's going to be, what is it? 163 minutes. Yes. Is that? yes.
0: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I,
1: 163 I, minutes of this thing. It's going to be yeah. crazy.
0: 11 of those, 11 <laughs> of those minutes are, um, titles or, uh, sorry, in credits, but, uh, still, wow. it's an, it's two hour, two and a half hour film. I mean, that's two and a half hours. Fuck. Yeah. That's all <laughs> that, is, that is
1: a serious movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to get yeah. back to one, one quick thing just to talk, talk in terms of the aesthetics and then maybe we can get into the music of the piece. But I, I just. Here's the thing I think that really jars me. I think about the piece. Um, is despite the fact that it, the piece, again, I'm kind of transfixed on it, and I can't get enough of listening to Neander speak. There's oh, his cadence and his delivery. It is very philosophical it's very poetic it's very beautiful um Mm -hmm. he just and he talks about humanity and um just like jared leto (laughs) (laughs) yes um but uh uh the the aesthetics of the piece i feel like there's so much or no i don't feel like we know so much detail went into the original blade runner every single everything was just covered and talked about it. And there's all the stuff on tables and so much went into it um, to create this world. Yeah. And then we're given this kind of somewhat bare room with this beautiful chandelier. That's kind of art deco art nouveau, which kind of hints back to the blade runner uh, kind of pedigree, or I should say the, Bl- the blade runner legacy of having that feel that kind of the old and the new together. Um, yeah. But I feel like the room, like they probably just found some, wherever they're filming um, this warehouse. And then they say, Oh, let's set, let's set it up. Let's, you know, let's make this look right. Um, But Blade Runner, I I feel like uh, what kind of takes me out of it again, when they cut back to the wide shot of all the, the people at that desk behind them, it's just not very detailed. It's kind of bare. Um, That's never been the Blade Runner. um, uh, Aesthetic.
1: It's different, yeah. It's
0: very different. Yeah. And I'm not saying that different is bad at all. I'm not saying, like, I'm just saying, even even in Blade Runner, if there wasn't a rich detail in sets or whatever, or architecture, there was rich detail in lighting. And, and in right, that piece, right. when they cut to Neander, there's, the lighting's kind of, shadowing across his face there's yeah. lights going there's also
1: on the sconce right behind his head yes kind of radiating up and down the wall yeah. yeah it's got
0: those colors of blade runner those blues and those greens um but then they cut yeah. back to kind of this boring group of people (laughs) and maybe that was the point maybe it is boring they are boring you know um but i just was like i I, and i and the actors except for the the one actor actually i was talking to uh bill robbie about it and he's like and he got confused for a minute if that was the actor who played jf sebastian in that scene because there's a guy with the sore The guy with the sore on his lip and his face yeah, looks yeah. a little bit worn. There's a little bit of similarity between the two. I said, "No, actually, that's... there is
1: kind of similarity there." Yeah, totally. Yeah. I felt
0: like it was kind of maybe a subtle hint to uh, that character of JF Sebastian, But um, he's visually very interesting to look at. Um,
1: yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I, I was, I was like, "There's." He looks like he might be afflicted with something. This yeah. could be hinting at some kind yeah. of an airborne yeah.
0: issue. Accelerated mm-hmm. decrepitude. Um.
3: Yes, <laughs> that's true, actually, because uh, Neander Wallace. Um, talked briefly about there's something affecting humanity that's yes. you know, species is dying out or I, I don't know exactly what he said, but, uh, yeah, something
1: about like, like you're dying and, and you're, you're
3: turning to the, the hermit, you know? Right. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. So, stand. right. So I think there was some kind of mass, maybe some mass affliction or disease, um, contagion that's killing off humanity. And, uh, we'll see how that uh, you know, how that plays out in the actual, you know, in the actual narrative. So, right. But, and then, uh,
0: they talk about hunger too. Uh, if, if people right. have looked at the timeline of events, that's um, on the official Warner brothers page for Blade Runner 2049, they talk about Neander Wallace engineering uh, food because there's so much hunger going on. And he says, you guys remember what it's like to be hungry, don't you? And Neander right, Wallace was right. really the savior of that. he, he swooped in and he shared his patents so it was free for everyone and he kind of eradicated hunger um Mm right and there's the discussion they're discussing the prohibition of replicants and they're like oh but this isn't up for debate or discussion and he goes yet we are here discussing it Um, yeah right right which i thought was you know and you know he's Talking about like our human footprint and what that means, and kind of he kind of goes lofty about our the you know the humans footprint in the heavens or whatever. It's a great quote that I'll probably mm-hmm. include in this episode. Um, yeah, but uh, it's yeah I I, I, but I get so
1: so here's the thing with that with that room if if I can go back to it for a second sure um, is that is, so yeah I agree it looks very bare bones it looks very different. Um, it looks it looks sort of like just sort of uh, like a vacant room on a set somewhere, but mm-hmm. there could be a reason for that. And if you if you look closely at it, there's a lot of, of uh, technological anachronisms in the room. So, for yeah. example, um, Benedict Wong's character takes out a stopwatch, like a mechanical stopwatch, um, and they, they write their notes on uh, paper, you know, with pencil. Uh, and uh, the, the, the lighting is very much current technology. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like it's you know, anything especially elevated. Uh, th- there's actually no signs other than this replicant that we're living in, that we're seeing some kind of an advanced society. But whereas, uh, you know, this is pretty far out from, from where we are today and from where the events of 2019 happened, you know? Yeah. So it's like you would think that things would have changed, but um, because of all of these cataclysms, apparently they haven't. So, so this could be more of a bunker than anything, you know. True. They might be basically in a protected underground room, and you can see, like, you know, there's almost no light coming from outside. The only external light source is this, like, window in a doorway. Yeah. The spinner or something is parked outside of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and it looks like they're in hiding. Or I mean, also like Neander has to be brought there. You know, like it, it's, it seems like it's a protected location of some kind. So it yeah. they, they might be trying to actually, like, you know, like Luke uh, Scott might be trying to evoke a sense of, uh, of a bunker, you know, of some kind of a, of a protected chamber. And if you yeah. look closely at the, the walls and things, there's, um, it's a very uneven texture. It actually reminded yes. me a little bit of like the moisture farm. Um, you know, the, it looks almost like it was made by, um, by hand, you know, like almost like Pueblo or something. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I, I, am not saying that to suggest that it's the work of some sort of handcraft, but because I think it's deliberately rough hewn and imperfect and, but not in the stylized Blade Runner way that we're used to seeing things that are decrepit, Yeah. Uh, but more in a, in a way that's actually like, uh, this is the best that they can do given very limited resources and very limited yeah. money and very limited survivable space.
0: Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the aesthetic of Blade Runner, too, and I think about how we live as people today, the aesthetic of Blade Runner is always the old with the new. I mean, it's if I think yeah. about Blade Runner, it reminds me of the 1940s, it reminds me of the 1980s, and it reminds me of the future. There's all those yep. things kind of happening at one time. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. society is kind of there now where we are, are, we're a mismatch of the 80s and the 90s and the 40s and the 30s and there's all these different trends happening and yet we have technology um in our palm of our hands or the ipads or the iphones or the you know the the cell phones so we're, we're we're in this mishmash like i'm looking at my room right now and i i collect but i collect vintage boxes from like the 40s like wooden boxes and they're all over my my living space and i have like yeah. old cameras but at the same time i have you know high high-end Um, electronics within this Uh space as well, Uh like my, uh, flat screen, high def or, you know, 4k TV or whatever. Um, and that's within all of those things. So I think we're really reflecting that and I can see that too. And I don't even think, um, I think really what even we might be experiencing in terms of us being jarred is we're experiencing the world of Blade Runner for the first time since 1982. At being yeah. new, and uh, the technology used to shoot these films are different. Um, they're cleaner. They're gonna be cleaner. There's no way around it. The stock of film that they used to to uh, shoot Blade Runner is very. You know, they, they, I don't even know if they used film to shoot Blade Runner of 2049. No, it's
1: definitely, definitely got to be digital. It might be. It might be. Um, um, although
0: um, maybe not, though, because he's a purist. Though has he's shot, a Yeah, he
1: shot in 70 millimeter. Before. Um, but but even also, still, like, like, if you look at this, like, the even things like the aperture depth is different. Like in the shot where. Uh, where Neander instructs the angel to to cut himself, like the the aperture, it's it's so shallow that you see the at you see the um, the glass which is near to the frame of the camera yeah. in super high resolution, you know, and then um, when it shows what the target is, which is like his neck, um, you know, it it shoots back to him, and all of a sudden he's very clear, and just that clarity of, of aperture is something that you know you wouldn't have seen in the in the first film, right? Partly because it just wasn't lit at all, so you couldn't get away with doing that, but you know. <laughs>
0: Um, and and Ridley really Scott know. was hiding a lot too in his in his right. uh, his lighting right. decisions, um, like right. in the the Bradbury Building. I mean, that mm-hmm. building is lit. The building is pristine. It's old, but it's pristine. Next, I want to discuss the music because music is always a very important. Music has been as, as some, has kind of synonymously been, or maybe that's not the right Mm -hmm. word, it is it's always been, like when you think of Blade Runner you just don't think of Deckard or Rachel or Tyrell or Roy you think of the music, the music is its own character, and the music in this short piece was very distinct
2: What is this? This is an angel and I made him
3: yeah, I mean, Blade Runners. Uh, you know, the the music itself was like a major character in it. You know, just uh, it's a beautiful score. Um, but uh, I'm gonna defer to Patrick because since I've only watched it once, I didn't really pay attention to the the music as much. I was more focused on the like the dialogue and the visuals and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I
1: I uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and give you a terrible answer on this, which is that I I honestly did not notice the music at all. I, I actually I, I was struck by a few things. The first was the the initial cue. You know how in the beginning there's it shows a bunch of shots from the trailer, um, and then there's kind of this kind of a blop and then a, a and then it cuts right into the scene.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that, that's the first you know proto musical thing that you hear, and I actually was struck by how generic it sounded. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, And I I was like, oh, man, that's that doesn't sound good. Um, And then for the for the rest of this, I I thought it was very generic um, sort of suspense hits. I I thought it was nothing, nothing. You know, you didn't get any of the sort of filter sweeps. You Mm -hmm. didn't get any of the in the the, the Vangelis stuff. It didn't sound at all like Johansson's music. Um, I actually thought it was it was disarmingly generic. Um that said, uh after that played I watched the the third theatrical trailer again and I was just so like swept up in the music of that and I, I was yeah. reminded that they are taking music seriously for this. But but Jamie, it sounds like you got something out of it that I didn't and I, I, I would love to hear about it.
0: Well, I uh, the music to me well, it's piano and it's almost like a lullaby. It's very um doo doo, doo. That's kind of what that it kind of repeats that a little bit over and over and it's very melodic and it's very rapturous mm-hmm. but it's also very innocent and it's very... Um... Disarming. Um, and, you know, like I said, I've seen the piece four, five, five or six times at this point. Um, yeah. So I, it's just something. 30 I mean, or 40. 30 or 40. <laughs> 70,
1: 70 to 100. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so, so I have to watch it again and pay more attention to the music then.
0: Yeah. It sounds- I, I, it was, and it's not something like, oh my God, the music is great. I don't even think it's great or not great. I just think it was interesting. And I could tell yeah. that they were paying attention that music has really shaped. The structure, I mean, you take away the music from Blade Runner, it's not Blade Runner, you know. Yeah. Um, and I felt like they really were paying attention to the idea or the notion that Blade Runner, the world of Blade Runner is also constructed by its music and by the music that we're hearing. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Um, on a, As an aside, I want a, a bit of, tri- not maybe not trivia, but you think about the name Neander Wallace, and it's spelled... N-E-A-D-E-R, and it was very similar to Neanderthal, and Neanderthals yeah. are the species in between the um, the original um, cavemen. Essentially, there's a more uh-huh. specific name, and and the Homo sapiens. So they're the they're like the link between. So yeah. I feel like his name represents the replicants, which are the link between humans and some higher. Being. Ooh, I like that. And maybe and <laughs> Mine, <laughs> that's cool. I and, like that a
1: lot. Yeah, maybe right, because Neanderthals were the ones who stood up, right? That's the whole Homo yeah. erectus. Yeah. Is that is that right? Yeah. I, I feel like we're going to get a lot of angry letters about this from people saying that we need to study up on our primordial history. Uh, no. well, <laughs> I know. I, I, don't quote me on that. I don't know if they were the first to stand up, but but that's a that's a very good point.
0: But and also maybe even Neander himself is. That higher species, he is, yeah. and and maybe yes, it looks like he's blind. But at the end of the piece, what does Neander do? Do you guys remember? Yeah, he looks right. He looks right, he looks right up. He's not yeah. blind. He think they think he's blind. He's not blind. I don't, that's my that's my yeah that's my I, I, theory. It, it,
1: that's obviously very intentful. The fact that yeah. it ends with him looking very very directly at them.
3: Yeah, or he's got um, some different kind of sight that you know it's um. I don't because sometimes people that are legally blind can still see shapes or they might see something. Um, you know, maybe maybe his affliction, whatever it is, has some kind of effect on his sight. That's not complete blindness, but it's just something else. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe yeah. it's that special eyes that you know that he created for. Himself, or I, I don't know. Who right, because
1: if he's a guy who can single-handedly cure world hunger and can engineer yeah. the Nexus 9, you'd think he'd be able to fix his own eyesight, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Especially yeah. given the fact that Blade Runner is all about vision. Like, it's always mm-hmm. been like, – I mean, the symbol of Tyrell of yeah. is is an owl. You know, like, it, that, that, is, that has been the fundamental thing. Mm-hmm symbolically this whole time so like yeah you're right like there's definitely more he's not just this blind homeric sage there's something else going on and
0: maybe and maybe neander's uh he's he he says my affliction and i think he might again who knows i could be i could be completely off but maybe it's he is positioning what he really is as an affliction because at, mm. On sight, it looks like our eyes perceive this man is blind, when in fact he is augmented. He is au- an augmented replicant and human. Right, and that's right. the future of right. humanity. Although,
1: although mm. when he when he comes into the room, he's guided to the chair by the angel. Yeah, right? which that... could
0: be completely an act.
1: It could be an act, but 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 why would he be? Oh, maybe that's why he looks up at the end. Yeah, <gasps> maybe
3: <he's> scaring them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I really want to do the mind blown thing. We need a sound effect for that. <laughs> yeah, can we add sound effects?
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, um, so, I, yeah I, 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 so anybody who hasn't seen this piece, um, I really, really recommend that you do. I, I'm going to watch it again when we're done to be honest yeah, with you, uh, on, on my big screen. Um, and I think also I feel so excited, even though this scene, and there's some weird things with the editing too, Ryan, that you mentioned for me, yeah. um, the editing does feel a little weird and there's parts where you, I was listening, I was watching it with headphones before, during, uh, before we got back onto the Skype call. Um, and I could hear differences in Neander's audio. Where sounds oh, sa- sounds recording and it sounds like ADR and then it sounds like maybe they record. Oh really? You know, yeah. And there's weird. Oh, it was very strange. I'm um, sure I watch
1: the headphones on. I didn't pick up on any of that.
0: Uh, yeah, you're, you're you're the music guy. What the fuck?
1: <laughs> I know. I know. it's has been, been
0: a busy day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and you're recovering from a cold, so you're, you're, your 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 audio yeah. or your yeah. ears aren't going to be yeah. that.
1: I can't. can't uh, I can't even tell if I'm talking to anybody I, right now. I'm
0: <laughs> You're not. <laughs> no. But, but <laughs> it,
1: it's funny. Like you talk about ADR. I mean, there are scenes in Alien that are so, are so the ADR is so wrong. Obvious.
0: Podcast. <laughs> and it's like you know, I
1: know, I know, but I'm just thinking. Like I was just thinking about this when we watched it again the other night. I mean, I mean, it's amazing how how many films uh, end up having these like huge ADR and accuracy. You know.
0: And yeah. They kind
1: of on with it, but. uh... I, I will go back and listen for that more specifically. Hey, yeah. before we close this out, can we uh, – there's a couple of thoughts that people posted on the uh, Shoulder of Orion Facebook page
0: mm-hmm. about this.
1: Maybe read a couple of those. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I can do the first one if you want. These are uh, over in that in the chat if you guys want to pull it up. So the first is uh, from Alexander House. Uh, and So the question was, what do you think about this new short that was just released, 2036 – and, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on it? So uh, Alexander House says, I like it, but it seems like Wallace is going to be more of a straight-up villain that you can't really empathize with. Unlike Batty, uh, you could get why he did what he did. Mm-hmm. I'm personally fine with that. It's a new story with new types of characters, and I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts. So thank you for that, Alexander. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm i going to have to disagree with you, though. I I, I honestly think that uh, that this could be another antihero hero yeah, that uh, be more along the the sort of Roy train. Um, but that being said, I, I know nothing about this film yet because it hasn't been revealed. So I could be totally off. But my gut tells me that there's going to be more to him than just this villainous sort of.
0: Yeah, and I don't get the sense of villainy from him at all. I mean, he's mysterious, and oftentimes people can mistake mystery for villainy. Um, Oftentimes, if people can't read you, they think you have something to hide. When in fact, it's that's not the case. It's like, no, I just don't wear everything on my sleeve. I mean, I I, I, here's this is a dumb comparison, but people tell me all the time, I they think, are you angry? And I think, no. And they're like, well, why are you looking like that? I'm like, oh, I'm just thinking about something. Um, So just because you read something on someone face or they seem different you know but at the same time if you look at classic cinema lots of times the villains there's something wrong with them they have a they have an ailment they have a limp they have something oh, sure you know yeah. um so th- Go back to richard iii totally or they're black or they're or, or a different color or they're you know they're a weird combination of male and female or something so i think there's this we have this nature as humans to something that's different might seem ad- adverse to us, but that's not mm. the case. Just because they're different and they sit, sound different or they look different, doesn't mean they're the villain or the bad guy. It just means they're different, and you have to get right. to know them first, then make a decision.
1: Yeah. Although, to Alexander's point, you know, you you do see so. For one thing, um, Neander does make a, a replicant murder himself in front of everybody. Yeah. You know, it's pretty horrific. Yeah. Uh, he also talks about the importance of slave labor, and he talks about how. Um, you know, like they need the replicants to be able to survive off-world. Um, yeah. You know, so so I, there are obviously there are echoes of, of villainy in there that I think go beyond just his, his disability and things like that. I, I think I think he's probably being positioned somewhat in this short to give off villainous vibes, which might yeah. be a bait and switch because he's probably not going to ultimately be be villainous. But but I, I do I I think there are undercurrents of darkness coming through certainly. Yeah. Undercurrents of mystery. Um but I, I personally just like you Jamie and Ryan I, I don't necessarily see him as an outright villain. Yeah. I and think he's a, Go sorry, ahead Ryan.
0: Go ahead Ryan.
3: Oh, I was going to say um yeah, I think he's going to be a lot more complex and complicated than just a straight villain. Um you know, I was just uh, actually just watching um the film Predestination oh, again. I love it. Day. And, yeah, I just love it. Um have you seen it yet? No, I know before. this oh, has come okay. up
1: I know, I'm sorry. Um,
3: I, I... Yeah, so we're removing you from the puns. <laughs> <laughs> I will wear headphones.
0: I will wear headphones. When we are done,
3: you're going to watch uh, the
0: film and then you're but, gonna get up uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: But uh but yeah, there's uh there's basically the villain in that movie is called uh the this isn't a spoiler or anything, but he's called a, a, the fizzle bomber. Um and you know, a couple characters are talking about him and as he's uh considered uh you know like the a villain but uh but one of the characters like you know it's it's not that simple. Um and uh that kinda I kinda got that vibe, you know, from I get that vibe from Neander Wallace uh, it's just not that simple to just call him a straight villain. You know, there's there's a lot more going on. Um and uh actually kinda like what this next person wrote, um tony washburn you know it just needs more context before you can you know just uh you know before you can make kind of a judgment on you know what the what the character who he is or isn't so yeah those are my thoughts
0: yeah uh and i would say i and this is maybe it's reaching but i i really try and um compare and contrast what we see in these films like art versus life. And I think about the leaders of movements and leaders of movements have oftentimes have been seen as villains. Um, Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. Was seen as a villain by the people who did not want integration. He was a Mm -hmm. villain to them. Um, Now the people on the right side of history knew that Martin Luther King Jr. Wasn't a villain, but to them, he looked different. He acted different. He spoke different. He's a villain um Mm -hmm. but he wasn't a villain um and oftentimes um these people who they are kind of being the voice for the voiceless um obviously neander wallace is on the side of replicants we need to bring these back we need to bring them back into you know humanity and have them exist with us now maybe he has a nefarious and benevolent uh plan um uh, malevolent, malevolent sorry. Yeah. Malevolent yeah. plan, um, yeah. that he's hatching, but, uh, maybe he doesn't, maybe he's like, no, maybe right. he's one of them and maybe he feels like, no, these are my people and I need to bring them back. Um, and I, and I don't want to get too political, but, uh, because there's so many layers to this, the world of Blade Runner, I think of like, I think of like movements like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter or all these other movements and they're seen, uh, as, uh, the leaders of these movements are seen as, seen as the villain. They've been they've been articulated into no, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad, or mm, right. they're just as bad as them, or just as or whatever. And whatever. Again, I don't want to get into the discussion. It's a very complex discussion. We're here to t- <laughs> we're here to talk about or her. But what I'm trying to say well, no, is but that. but that's
1: a good. It's a good point. I mean, you know, Jesus was crucified, right? I mean, yeah. this has been going on for a long time. I yeah. mean, you know, pe- people who try to speak up for downtrodden. Um, you know, members of society are very often villainized. It's just funny because I, I'm not getting that from from Neander. Al, although I don't think he's, you know, necessarily malevolent. Um, it it doesn't seem to me like he's. Uh, it, so if if he were if he were campaigning for the liberation of replicants, that would be one thing. I I I feel like he's saying we need to build more slaves for a slave army, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, see,
0: but see, well, here's who,
1: who can kill themselves if I just tell them to do it, you know. I, I'm just saying he doesn't seem quite so lofty to me. Well, I,
0: I can see what you're saying, but here's what clues me into uh, me disagreeing with you in a, in a sense. Uh, yeah. in one of the trailers, you see the a replicant fall from the bag, very iconic image, and he goes, um, in something like, uh, happy birthday. Well, no, <laughs> yes, he says. <laughs> he says happy birthday, but he also says, um, different uh different kind of uh oh i'm losing my words right now there's different the different like history the history of man has been built on the backs of slaves um he says but i can only build so many and and then he goes happy birthday but there's a sense that i'm getting from him that like you guys these are these these replicants aren't slaves They're not slaves. Um, But he just called it a slave. He just talked about it. No, but he he wasn't referencing – he said as it was being born, right? No, but he wasn't referencing (laughs) – he wasn't referencing the replicant. He was just saying this is the history of humanity. This is how we've treated. This is how we've built our society. Society has been built on the backs of slaves. But I could – I guess maybe – I don't know. I just – I guess I'm maybe hearing it differently. I'm hearing it as –
1: What's interesting – because you can hear that two ways.
3: Yeah. 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 Right? Please don't be a villain, Jared.
1: character but I can only build so many, right?, yeah. so that could either be him saying that um I, I am running out of resources to build more slaves, or he could be saying, like, I've built my last slave, and now I will build a free a free replicant, a free yeah. man. And know?
0: maybe this is the the replicant liberation. Maybe that's what that is. Maybe that's what Here's he's. What that that's what's kind of going on. But also, we also have to realize that the marketing and the campaigning for this, it might just all be misinformation, or they're trying to throw that's us true. off. They're 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 true. they're making us think this guy's the villain. This is the villain. That's what they're making yeah. us think. When in fact that, that might not be, or probably isn't the case. It's more it complex like, than
1: that. It doesn't feel like it is the case, you know.
0: Yeah.
3: So yeah,
1: yeah, there could be a lot that we don't know about.
3: I think these characters are going to be very. There's going to be a lot of complications. There's going to be a lot of gray areas with these characters. I think so, um, which I love. I mean, I it's I love that more than just black and white. You know, um, this is a this is a good character. Totally. This is a protagonist. You know, um, and this is just a straight antagonist. You know, right. it's – you know, if there's gray areas, there's flaws on both sides, you know, sometimes you don't know, or actually, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of prisoners. Um, there really wasn't like, uh, you know, I guess you could say Hugh Jackman's character was sort of a protagonist, but he had a lot of dark oh, yeah. uh, parts. Right. To and, and Jake Gyllenhaal's character was, was, was sort mm-hmm. of uh,
1: heroic. Yeah, but he was, had some pretty big issues of his own. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, um, and, and yeah,
0: go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was—I was, was going to say
1: that to me. To me, the the perfect example of this is the original Blade Runner film. Like, I, and that is the mm-hmm. grayest of all yes. gray. Absolutely. Car- I, I mean, like we just on the heroes episode for perfect organism, we talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like who—who who is the hero in this thing? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, Like, like, like who's the? Per- I mean, we have like one definite heroic thing at the ending right when he when he runs with rachel like yeah. that's like that's in a, that even has a heroic sound cue like that sounds like it's a traditional hollywood right. heroic thing other than that like where's the heroism i mean it's 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 these acts of desperation and, and beauty mm-hmm. being committed by these replicants that are murderous that are crazy. That are crushing people's skulls open. You know,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: like, like this is, but, 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 and yet they are the they are the the ones that keep saving Deckard's life. You know, they're mm-hmm. the ones who are the most um, in favor of like uh, of 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 living under the yoke of tyranny, of, of, of free from the yoke of tyranny. You know, mm-hmm. whereas like the 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 protagonists, quote unquote, the Deckards in this film, you know, are are just these sort of depressive schlubs who need to be continually a saved and Mm -hmm. b convinced that life is worth living, you know? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. the heroism in them has to be drawn out. Whereas the, the people who are posed as the villains, like Roy actually do a lot of heroic things on their own. Right.
0: Yeah. And I I think villains are far more interesting in general. Like I'm always more attracted to villains, not because, you know, I'm attracted to villainy. Um, But (laughs) I, I just think villains tend to end up, or what we believed who we believed to be the villains end up being more complex. And I, I, as everybody was talking tonight, I'm thinking about the scene in wonder woman, the new wonder woman movie, when she's kind of discovering the world and she's out in the world and she realizes, and she's talking to Steve. um, I can't remember his last name, but her, like her partner, I guess, Steve. And she's saying, you know, I see, I see the same things in you that you're talking about that you see in them, you know? Right. Um, And she, she's, faced with this conundrum like what do i do and i think that's what the world is Uh, and everyone thinks that they're right everyone thinks that they're on the right side isis thinks it's on the right side you know the the extreme alt-right think they're the right side, you know, and they're, they're walking the right path. And, you know, um, and then we in our own ideologies think, well, we're on the right side of history. Um, so you have all of those ideas. We're we're all
1: stuck in the kingdom of our own heads. Totally.
0: totally. And they're all trying to converge, but they, they, they can't converge only the truth can converge from that or emerge from that. I should say. And, and we, I think those of us who are enlightened, uh, and that sounds really ridiculous, um, (laughs) Or, or, or I don't want to say enlightened. Those of us who I feel like who who have conversations and who can walk in the shoes of people that we don't know, or in the shoes of 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 the downtrodden or the smaller groups, we have. A, right. I think we have a, a an enlightened understanding of what might be universally right.
2: Mm-hmm. Bringing yeah.
0: bringing this back to Blade Runner, I think Blade Runner is so powerful because I think we're seeing the replica. It wasn't about the replicants are these bad things or these these villains that wasn't the case at all they wanted to live and that's all they were trying to do um and if anything deckard was put on the case to have to stop that and he didn't really want to but that's what he was doing um and then he meets one of them and he falls in love it's like almost during like the integration history of you know art of of america there's a, a famous picture of a a a black girl going into a high school or a school and you see this white woman screaming at her behind it's a famous picture Uh Uh and there was an interview with both of them later on and the white woman was saying I am so ashamed about how I acted and at that point you know um, Uh and it just kind of shows how history has kind of turned and and uh, the commonality um, and that she got to know a group of people very different from her as people, as opposed to those people, you know? Right. Um, right, And I think that's what Blade Runner kind of, that's the stock it trades in is, it um, is. And I think that's what makes it beautiful and beguiling.
1: And I hope we get a lot of that in this new film, Me too, especially Mm -hmm. because we we live in a time where there is so much to uh, digest socially and geopolitically. And in terms of, um, you know, conflicts around the world, uh, not, not, not even just to mention things domestically, but, you know, all over the world we have these, these really, really serious issues. And, uh, and, and I think film is a wonderful way to create poetry that speaks to that and mm-hmm. gives us a mirror to view it through, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 Bla- and the original Blade Runner to me is an evergreen metaphor for what it means to be subservient, what it means to be free, what it means to be an individual, what it means to be part of a society – you know, all these these incredibly universal themes. And and this is, yeah. that, I think, an, a new chance to really re-examine those things in the context of an increasingly divided world. You know? and,
0: and this film, uh, to leave it on – I know we probably should wrap up. But really, I I, I don't know what we're going to see. I don't know what's in this film. But I know just based off the trailers, she's uh, – what's her name's character? Uh, Robin Wright's character is talking about a wall that separates kind. You say that there's no wall. You have a war. And really yeah, right, that's right. as a society, that's exactly what we're dealing with. We're dealing right. with proverbial walls and literal walls. And yeah. and yeah. and there are people out there who are terrified that those walls are about to be knocked down and we're all gonna be one people. And they're like, No, this country belongs to us and our people. And they don't yeah. belong here. I mean, that the idea of replicants not belonging on the world is exactly what we're hap- is happening in this country today. There are people yeah. out there saying these people don't belong. We belong mm-hmm, yeah. here. They need to send them somewhere else. Send them back to where they came from. We're having this discussion right now. And I feel like this film could be a powerful tool in, in discussion and healing. And maybe that's mm-hmm. a little bit uh, too too grand of an idea but that's no
1: but it's not it's not i i I think i think i think that it is and and i say this as a as a as you guys are as well as a creative person you know in my particular creativity coming primarily through my music Mm -hmm. it, it is irresponsible to me at this point to not engage social issues with our given art form, because if we don't, then we're not being relevant, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and it doesn't matter what side of any issue you're on. It doesn't matter what you're trying to say. What matters is that you need to say it because we we have to be listening and we have to be in a dialogue and we have to be confronting these issues because if we don't, they're going to fucking kill us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. these issues that, that we're dealing with as a society will eat us from the inside out. Yeah. And, uh, and the way to counteract that, just as it's been through history, you know, from time immemorial is through engaging it with our art. Yeah. And, and Blade Runner uh, is, is a major Hollywood film that is specifically set up metaphorically to deal with things like this. And, and I hope that it says some really nuanced yeah. things. And engages conversation. I don't think any of us are living under some sort of, you know, false hope that it's going to change the world. It's not going to do that. It's not like this movie's going to come out and everybody's going to be holding hands and singing, you know, share the world of Coke, you know. Again. <laughs> <laughs> the the coke. Yeah. But 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 what it, but it becomes part of a larger dialogue of things where people are engaging around things that are hard to talk about and things mm-hmm. that are hard to realize, and, and and it gives us a prism to view ourselves in a way that is is heightened and yet more intimate. You know, yeah. like. It, when you watch, like, like Jamie, you've said some tremendously eloquent things about Deckard. I think, um, mm-hmm. and, and among them has been um, that Deckard feels like an outsider. You know, like he he's in a, in a city of 120 million people, and yet he's the most alone person you can imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and that and that and that is a that is an ineffable thing that we all feel from time to time. We all feel sometimes like we're on the outside, but it's it's hard to talk about it in a way that doesn't feel trite, or doesn't feel like emo, or doesn't feel you know on the nose. With with Blade Runner, you get this metaphor that allows you to say that in a way that that feels really genuine and honest, you know. And you're able to look at yourself and be like, "Man, like that's what's been wrong with me sometimes is I felt like I've been on the outside, you know." And and it's a new chance to reengage with that stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I say that's a wrap, guys.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Wrap. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. (laughs) Find find our i. our, our on iTunes and uh, Apple podcasts. Uh, it is available there and, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah.
2: Thanks. All nice right. Thanks everyone. Human action resounds in the heavens. The bell echoes above what we decide here today will polish or crack the firmament. What shall it be?